0: When you have an attitude of gratitude, people just want to hang with you. Introducing the woman who believes ordinary stands for extraordinary. The host of Thriving at 60, Wendy B.
1: Hi, this is Wendy B. Welcome. I'm a life coach and I started this podcast because I believe ordinary people become extraordinary people. What makes them extraordinary is the adversity they have lived through and who they become, or the little acts of kindness they bestow on people, one act of kindness at a time. I believe that most of us have the ability to thrive, not just survive. I want to motivate and help people of all ages, particularly women, 50 to 110. I want people to experience being excited about their life. Are you excited about your life? This podcast is to inspire and motivate people now for them to take new actions today on their purpose, their dreams, regardless of your age, regardless of your circumstances. I want to motivate and inspire you one step at a time to turn lemons into lemonade. It's never too late to start. Would you like freedom and power regardless of what life throws at you? It's easy to live life when life is working, but true power, true freedom is having freedom and power when our circumstances aren't the greatest, so this is podcast is discovering, rediscovering. It's, it's an inquiry into what is thriving. So the other day I was talking about our cardinal rules for life. Make, number one, make peace with your past so it won't disturb your present. You know, uh, two, what other people think of you is none of your business. Three, uh, time heals almost everything, give it time. And four, no one is in charge of your happiness except you. So today we're going to look at that uh, time almost heals everything. Give it time. And, you know, there's a lot of controversy about that. I I was on the Internet and I was reading different things. And Rose Fitzgerald Kennedy said, it has been said, time heals all wounds. And she doesn't agree. Uh, The wound remains in time. The mind protecting its Sanity covers them. Uh, with scar tissues and the pain lessens, but it's never gone. And I I think people uh, misconstrue that. Yes, uh, it it is never gone. Sometimes, I don't know if it has to be a wound, but it's, um, you know, when we're grieving, let's say, the loss of a loved one, it doesn't mean that uh, you forget the loved one or that you don't miss them, but I really believe that time heals. Um, and you know, someone said, um, "Time heals all wounds unless you keep picking at them." And I've learned that, um, love, not time, heals all wounds. You know, we, we, we have to forgive. And by far, the strongest poison to the human spirit is the inability to forgive oneself or another person. Forgiveness is no longer an option, but a necessity for healing. And, and then I've heard someone else say, it's a long life. L- let go and let God. Um, you know, uh, for myself, uh, when I look at my life, I, I remember um, when I was um, 18, I was in love with this boy called Aki Nauman. And um, he was, uh, we lived on a farm in Strabane, Ontario. And, and he lived next door and he had moved to Germany with his parents. And because he had moved to Germany with his parents, um, he had to put three years in the army. And um, at that time there was no internet. I'm giving my age away and we wrote letters. And we wrote love letters to one another every week. And I get emotional when I think about it. Um, you know because it was such an innocent love we had um, we hadn't made love Uh, we we did a little bit of kissing not much kissing um, uh, because he was 3,000 miles away but you know we we discovered before he moved that we really cared and we fell in love I think out of writing our letters and and he came he was on a vacation and he came for a visit and he was so excited and um, he he was riding a motorcycle and he came to my workplace and i was um, working at sears and um, one of my part-time jobs uh, before i went to college i might have been in college or i think i was in grade 12 and i i was sharing an apartment with a girlfriend uh, her name was pearl and we had had a, a, a like a one of those bachelor apartments where one room and um, we at that weekend that Aki was coming we were moving to one bedroom so we had more room in the same building anyways Aki came to Sears and my boss was great and she let um, me have extra long uh, break thank God and so I went and I talked to Aki and he was with his friend and we hugged and kissed and and you know his friend was there and and um, and we just you know, really expressed our love for each other, and uh, he was coming back later that night, and he was going to take me out for dinner, and you know, first time we'd been really alone without people for ever it seemed, and and uh, I was really excited, and then Aki never showed up, and you know, we're clean. I'm cleaning the walls, and I'm agitated, and you know, in those days they didn't have cell phones, and and I'm waiting for him to call me, waiting for him to call me, and he never shows, and it's about 11 at night, and I'm, um, you know, I'm pretty upset, and I'm I'm listening to the r- local radio station, and they say this. Um, two uh, people were in a, um, there was a car and a motorcycle accident out near where the farm was, and that one had passed away, and one was alive, and right away, I knew it had to be Aki. You know, I didn't, And um, I I called the radio station and and they couldn't give me much information and they gave me the police and I called the police and they weren't willing to give out information and and so I finally just burst into tears and said you know Aki if I give you the Aki's parents phone, address, and Aki's name, and how old he was, etc I, I just need to know, it. and they, they, um, I gave them all the information, they said, the person that you just named um, passed, just passed away, and I was just devastated, I remember walking around, and um, I was quite wounded, and I really cared, it was the first uh, experience I'd had in, in, in a, in a loss, and, um, um and, and 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 if someone had have said time heals at that time I would have been um, like I, I couldn't have heard them like it was it totally inappropriate for anybody to say anything to me at that time except listen and love me and um, and and you know today you know <clears throat> 40 years later or 50 or 35 years later um, I uh, you know it, it I still get emotional when I think of that young man um, I, because I, and I, I get emotional because of the innocence of our love too but um, time did heal you know um, I had to get on with my life at some point I had to go through a grieving uh, process and you know grieving can take oh, it can take uh, months it can take years um, who, who anybody can say, you know. Um, eventually, uh, we heal. Um, we ha- we have to be careful about pushing people to let go or forget. In fact, grief is is natural. I think it's very natural, an unlearned heal. It's an unlearned healing process, you know. Um, It depends like you know if it's a child you've lost it could take a lot of years and um, if it's a husband of many years we don't know you know we 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 go through grieving of i think um losses uh, anything can be a loss like uh you know losing a job losing a husband divorcing a husband uh, moving from your house losing a friend um from uh, for, from death or just because they've moved on. People wanting to be helpful to those who are grieving do not give pat answers to the profound questions. They do less advising and more listening. You know, if they understand the meaning of memories, memories are not dead. Memories are alive and dynamite. Memories help people retain their needed connection to the deceased. The old idea about grief was that we should encourage people to cut their ties and move on. Well, it doesn't usually really work that way. People need to feel free to remember and grieve. As friends, we need to provide a safe place for people who are mourning, a place where they can feel the intensity and depth of their feelings without being judged or pushed by someone else with an agenda. Done this way, the grief process usually allows the person to slowly come to the ter- to terms with their loss and then begin considering withdrawing some of the emotion uh and e- emotional energy they are putting out to the lost loved one and redirecting it toward other relationships or causes. If we you know, so I, I think that's important to know, um Perhaps the reason it's so hard for us to forget the people we love is because we are not designed to forget the people we love. It's as simple as that, but we are pressured to do so by others who may be well-intentioned but not understand. I try to tell people uh, or help people understand that grieving is not about forgetting. To the contrary, grieving is about remembering, remembering the love and the loss, the good times and the bad times, all of it. I also convey to them that remembering is not the same as staying stuck, okay? Remembering and grieving are ways to honour our love and attachments, but living life is also about adapting to change. We don't want to live our entire life on the basis of one or two experiences. Adaption comes in many forms. Sometimes it's about stopping and resting. Sometimes it's about movement and swiftness. The issue is learning to become aware of our needs at any given time. That means paying deep attention. Another story. um, uh, There was a little boy, he was eight, and let's call him Jerry, and he lost his older brother to a hunting accident. I think he was... um, Uh, his brother was 11 and Jerry's childhood was shattered his parents didn't know how to help him grieve his teachers and friends didn't know how either but later in life Jerry found a therapist who did know how to help him grieve his loss with the help of this person he got in touch with his anger helplessness sadness guilt fear and vulnerability later still Jerry became an educator and then a social worker. He founded a social service agency called the Center for Grief Recovering and Sibling Loss. Through a lot of deep inner work, Jerry was able to transform his early childhood loss into a positive energy source aimed at helping others going through similar circumstances. It wasn't time alone that did that. Sometimes a deep wound can become something else. It takes more than just time to transform loss like this. Uh, you know, I, I've seen many people go through phases of loss and wounding who have trouble letting go. But we have to be careful about the phase. If, if I need to hold on to something that is making me feel safe and secure, why would you want me to let it go? If, on the other hand, I'm able to grow in feelings of security and safety and feel more structured and strengthened inside of myself, then I may be more able to independently, often with the help and support of others, let go of that to which I am clinging. When it comes to loss, letting go is usually a long-term process with many, many layers. If we tell someone to let go then we should be prepared to offer them something meaningful and sustaining enough to them as a replacement. Can we really do that? Research has shown that most common experience in bereavement is longing or yearning to contact with the deceased. Sometimes our longing is so intense we think we see or hear the deceased when they are not there. Does it really matter? As we learn to cope with the fact of morality, however, we begin slowly and tentatively to let go of our attachment to the physical presence of the person we lost. Perhaps we could say the relationship changes, letting go is no easy thing, and we have to be able to do it in our own way and at our own pace. The dread and fear of repeating, you know, that experience of being hurt are real feelings. After receiving a wound, we typically recoil from and avoid situations that could cause the same similar kinds of wounds. That seems rational, right? And from a certain standpoint, it is rational. The problem is we can become so fearful and so full of doubt that we begin to stay away from taking initiative or risks. The fear of getting hurt again becomes overpowering and paralyzing. However, we also know that to take one experience and live your entire life by that one experience is severely limiting. The tendency cuts us off from life and, and potential, but it is understandable who wants to get hurt. Perhaps the antidote to this kind of fear is faith, not necessarily religious-based either. A simple example, a child falls from her bicycle and scratches her knee. She cries. Her mom or dad or someone bigger, wiser, stronger, calmer helps her out. But how? By attuning to her feelings. Is she disappointed, sad, angry, humiliated, confused, and empathetically calming her down? Then when she's ready, this guardian figure helps her get back up on the bike and try again. That's an organizing and skillful approach to helping the child is more likely to be able to you know to let go of her hurt and move on to the next activity she is more likely to have faith in her strength because there was someone there for her in in a hard situation who validated and supported her with skill and compassion she witnessed herself going through a hard situation with assistance move on to the next effort she feels more completed and confident and if we go back to jerry's story he would have never created his center if he forgot about his brother's death perhaps the reason it is so hard for us to forget the you know the people we love is because we are not designed to forget the people we love but we are pressured to do so by others who may well be well intentioned but not understanding as in the example of the child scraping her knee sometimes another person is needed to help us to get up and move on yes i believe there are times in life when we do really need to rely on the kindness and skills of others we're social animals john dunn said no man is an island when you stop to think about it while we think we are very independent and should be able to handle it all on her own. Who really can and does? Don't we depend on others for our food, clothes, shelter, services, clean water, etc.? We are more dependent than we'd like to think. I think in times of loss and mourning, we need to be able to rely on the kindness and compassion of others. This is why all the great religious traditions have so much focus placed on mourning, rituals and ceremonies. In Judaism, for example, a mourner is not supposed to do any work at all. All responsibilities fall on the community to offer practice and spiritual help. I believe this is the way to go. That that said, we need to modify the statement somewhat. We also cannot overburden our friends with our sorrow. People can only do what they are capable of doing. Our goal should be to refrain from harming self and others, even when we are emotional in in emotional pain. Therefore, I can be very. It, I think it can be really helpful um, to meet with a professional or some other person completely unrelated to the situation, who can provide a safe and comfortable place, a non-judgmental stance. An apathetic perspective, and you know, um, you know, through my lifetime when I've gone through different emotional things, I, I, I believe in going for help, and I, and I get the help I need, um, and uh, you know, I think it takes a courageous human being, um, to look at uh, if they need outside help. So, uh, in closing, we're exploring how to thrive, whether we are 10 to 110 and beyond. And we were looking at time heals almost everything. What do you think? Let's keep thriving so others want to hang with us. What do you need to do to thrive? Do you need to go for professional help to let go of, of something you're stuck with? What are your patterns that have you not thrive? What areas in your life do you want to be more effective? What areas do you want to thrive in? Well, what did you like best about this podcast? I, re- I request you subscribe to my podcast and rate it a number 5. Email me. Let me know what topics you want. When you get handed lemons, can you make lemonade? Tell me about how you thrive. I'd love to hear from you. This is Wendy B., thrivingat60.com. T-H-R-I-V-I-N-G-A-T-S-I-X-T-Y dot com. Thanks. Talk to you again tomorrow. We are going to discuss. No one is in charge.
0: Thank you for listening to ThrivingAt60.com with Wendy B. What did you like best about the podcast? Email Wendy B at ThrivingAt60.com.